Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Michael. How you doing? Hey, I'm still here, my son, and got plenty to talk about. All know? right. I'm starting to trust this. I guess, you know, I'm, I'm starting to trust the phone now, and I don't, I'm, I'm just assuming that you're there. It was it well, took you me, know, it took yeah. me a bunch of weeks. We have a little. We have a little history on that, but let's kind of move right along, you know. Right okay. Along. <laughs> okay. So uh, today we're uh, hopefully, well, maybe not hopefully, but in, in the final installment of uh, of the outline that we started uh, four shows ago, common sense survival in today's world, essentially just everything you'd want to know about investing uh, for the rest of your life, and we're uh, we've reached the investment piece. Uh, if you have any questions uh, on this, uh, what we're t- what we're discussing today, or anything else financial related, uh, give us a call. We're live in the Merrimack. Valley today, 978-454-4980, live on the long weekend here. Uh, if you have any, um, if you prefer email, you can email us questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. All righty. So you were, you were cut off here. Did you want to, did you want to circle back or do you want, are we moving on to that? No, we didn't. We're, uh, we're on what strategy I, is for you. And so I think we, we need to do a, <laughs> we need to do some more work here. Yeah. Okay. Well, so by the way, so what do you think we need to do some more work? Why don't you, uh, uh, embellish here. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I think you you had discussed. Uh, we were talking about uh, how you mix your pies, but I mean, it certainly goes into the next question, which is risk and return, right? You know, yeah. how yep. you know what pie is most appropriate for you is you know is based on your risk tolerance and you know how you know 
therefore your pie mixture needs to match up with your risk tolerance. And so you had started off with, you know, bonds equal aggressive, I'm sorry, bonds equal conservative, stocks equal aggressive, and how you mix them together is, is how you, uh, is how m most of the industry comes to the different levels of risk, right? The moderate portfolios, the conservative portfolios, the aggressive portfolios. So actually maybe we can move on. I, I guess maybe, maybe that was yeah, just an intro I, to the next, the next yeah. question. I, you see, the, these all make sense, John. Know, yeah. A lot sequentially. of thought went into this five-page uh, outline. You, yeah. you know that. I was up late last night. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So, uh, all right. So, let's have that I'm next question, it. Okay. my son. Go ahead. Well, this is, a, this is a, <laughs> another interesting question. These are good radio questions. Okay. What is most important, risk or return? And this is actually right. a whole series of questions. This how much has. how much fun is this going to be, right? Okay, <laughs> so I, I I would answer that question with two questions. Okay, so so the first uh, question was, well, what are you comfortable with? Right. Okay, and, and everybody, you know, uh, every but, but by the way, folks, the fear of loss of money is about twice as big as the greed of gain of money. Translation, people are have a lot more pain in losses than they have fun in gains. And right. that's just like a, and there's a whole bunch of studies and all kinds of stuff going on in our world about that right now, right? It's like, I should have taken some psychology courses, Justin, you know, one of those things. Did yep. you? It's a whole, Did you take any of those? I think I, I, took, I took one psychology class in college. All right. Yeah. Well, then, then you well, should be better at client relationships than I am. <laughs> About it. Okay. I am more. Uh, I am more understanding than you <laughs> are sometimes. You know? <laughs> I will give you that. Uh, anyway, so so you know, you you do you, you ask your client, well, what are you comfortable with? Well, by the way, who knows what they're comfortable with? And and I'll and I'll follow that question up with, well, do you know enough? to be comfortable, okay, about an investment. So I, o over the break, I thought of an analogy. So you ready for this one, Jeff? Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. I so, wait. so I'm thinking I'm going to take a zip line across, okay, uh, the Colorado, what's the, the canyon? Uh, the, uh, the Grand Canyon? The Grand, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a zip line across the Grand Canyon <laughs> for my next birthday, okay? This just popped into your head? Yeah, yeah this, I, I'm, I'm, go with me, Justin. <laughs> okay. I'm going someplace yeah, with right. this, okay? <laughs> okay. So I'm, th I'm thinking about it, okay? And I think, geez, I, well, I know there's some risk there, okay? Well, so do I just go or not go, or do I do a little research and think about it? Okay. 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 Yeah. I'm going to do some research, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So let's see. If if that zip line is tied to a tree on each side of the canyon, uh -huh. I'm not sure if that's good. Right. Okay. Nope. If it's tied to this big honking concrete and steel foundation that weighs 77 tons, I might feel a little bit better, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. And and how thick is that zip line? Yeah, I think you it's, your, it's and, your wire, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, what's it made of? Okay, uh, and so no, do I have no rope then? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Th think about this, okay? And, okay. and so let's see. Do do I have stainless steel ball bearings in the rollers on my harness, or or how does that work? Right. Okay. You know, and is my is my harness made of cotton or Kevlar? Okay. Uh, and uh, yep. let's see. And so, what's what's your safety percentage in this right. in this thing here? How many people have uh, you know stopped in the middle and fell off or yeah, whatever? There, I mean, is there a yeah, governor? on how, on how fast yeah, you can roll yeah, okay. or are you going to go? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so if if forget about the money part, but if okay. in things of life we're thinking yeah. about doing stuff, right? We have we have evalu- by the way we've been evaluating risk with regard to travel in 2020, right? right. Okay. Sure. So 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 human beings, it would naturally be a case where you do some research to try to get an understanding of what the risks are, and then you make a choice. Okay. Well, guess what? Okay, Mike, you know, I think that when somebody walks in your door and says, I'd like to invest some money, and if we just asked what you're comfortable with, we're not doing them any job, anybody any favors, because we don't know their knowledge base. Right. Oh, and by the way, they don't know their knowledge base, so they wouldn't be walking in the door. Okay? Okay. And, and so the point I wanted to make... Whew, it's taken a while here, but the point I want to make is that uh, in order to understand risks involved, you've got to do some research and not just have an emotional reaction. Oh, I'm going to lose all my money in the stock market because the world's coming in tomorrow afternoon. Okay, and so if, if we we by the way we give folks a risk questionnaire that you picked out, you want to listen, right? Yeah, okay. sure. And, and, you know, and I think it's cool. Okay, however, okay, if we gave uh, anyone listening to the show that risk questionnaire, okay, uh, number, you know, risk number one on Monday, and then if we spent two or three hours with those folks explaining how we thought the investment world worked and showing them some history and some stuff, and they took that quiz again, okay, I would bet you their, their risk would be more tolerant, okay, because they were perhaps more educated about how things go. Okay, if they think bonds are safe, we could educate them about how they might not be, sort of a thing. So so my point is, okay, I, I think it's unfair to ask people what their risk level is, because most of them don't know, and that's on them if they don't have a financial advisor, and us if they do, to say, hey, look, you know, we, we want to explain some things to you, we want to show you some history, and then you can, you know, get a comfort level about what you want to do, but unless you're well-informed to make a well-reasoned decision, uh, no, that, that that doesn't count. Okay, I'll okay. stop there. Do you want to react to that? or? Yeah, I think it, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's a bit of an extreme example, right? But I guess you could you could work with it and say, you know, even even people who are educated, right? If you if you if you want to put it together with a sure uh, sort of the portfolio analogy, you could. In th- I mean, I'm I'm sure we could build a zip line across the Grand Canyon. I don't. Does this actually exist? First of all, is this? I'm, I, I, I have I, no having, clue. Having just, never been, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I, is there a narrow yeah. part of the Grand Canyon that actually has a zip line? I'm going to guess not. But I just I, made I, it up. Just, I just thought I'd ask. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean. You could, I'm sure that we could build a zip line that was perfectly safe across, and you know, just the same way we could tell a client, hey, um, you know, if if you're you know, you're 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 30 years old and you you could be appropriate for an aggressive investment strategy. There are some fo- just just as there are some folks who who most certainly would not take that zip line across the Grand Canyon because you know they just wouldn't be able to handle the, you know sort of the the fear aspect of it. Uh, there are also folks who wouldn't be able you know who who even though maybe it's it's say, you know quote unquote safe for a thirty year old to have an aggressive investment portfolio if they're saving for retirement. Uh, there are also folks who psychologically you know probably ought not have one because of the fear involved in, in, in volatility, regardless of how much research you did and how, and how quote unquote safe it was. Right. Sure. Uh, sure. And there are a whole bunch of folks who yeah. would benefit by that as well. Sure. Right. 
And so, okay, yeah. yeah so I guess I'm, I guess I'm okay with your analogy. It's it's sure. not. Yeah, I, yeah, wouldn't, I, mean, I wouldn't call it an they, orthodox analogy, but it's, you know, it, if, if if there's a 29 year old who's scared to death and and wants a conservative portfolio after we educate him, go for it. We did our job. Okay, they know what they're going to get for hopefully for risk and return. Perfectly fine. Yeah. You know, but but my point is to to make an appropriate match. Okay, there's got to be some work done on both sides. That's all. Right. Okay. Yep. All right. So, so what 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 is most important? Risk or return? Well, if you if risk is the first thing that you want to worry about, and by the way, what's that? Ninety percent of the time, well, folks we meet for the first time, you know, they, they right? I, I don't know that I would say that. I would I would say that no. I'm. I think that. What's yours? It's what, different percentage? for different. Investors, right? right so yeah, you know, you obviously, yeah. there you know yeah. there are folks for for whom risk is the only factor, right? And, yeah, and, right. And, and we've, right. obviously, we've all met them. And there are other folks who come in and they say, "Hey, you know, I'm 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 young and I have some understanding of the markets, and I, you know, let's let's just make me as much money as we possibly can." So I mean, it's yeah. it's yeah. maybe more folks are are a yeah. bit more concerned with risk, but uh, it's definitely individualized to the to the investor. And, and, and let's go back to that 29-year-old who has a very conservative portfolio. Okay, if if that matches their risk tolerance, th- and they're happy with their return, we did our job. Right. Okay. Yeah. You, you don't get one without the other. Okay. And so I'm I'm perfectly fine with recommending a a 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio, one of our retirement strategies, to a 29-year-old if they hit all those check marks. Sure. Absolutely. Right. Okay. We, we get paid to match and try to make appropriate recommendations for circumstances, and, and that, that would be a success from my point of view. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and right. I think, and just to be clear, it's individualized to the investor, but it can also be individualized at, at given times, right? So, you know, so through the life cycle of investing. Hey, you're getting time, ahead of me now. There's oh, I'm a couple sorry. questions. I'm sorry. No, no, okay. you know, that's right. See, I got this all covered, Justin. Okay. That, I'm telling you. Okay. I'll just sit back uh, and then relax here. Oh. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, so yeah, r- risk is in the eye of the beholder. Right. And from my point of view, as long as you know what you're getting into, then you get into it. Okay. And, and if you don't like the, the the uh, 100% stock portfolio, or if it's not appropriate, or the 75, or the 60, or the 40, whatever, as long as it matches you, your personality, and your circumstances, and your needs, bingo. All right. Okay. All right. So, by the way, a quick little uh, wait, hang comment. On. Let me let me let me interrupt you there. We do have a caller here. Let's go Alrighty. to uh, Bob in Chelmsford. Hello, Bob. Good morning, fellas. Uh, Good morning. I have a question on a, on a, a, a mutual fund I'm looking to sell, and I, I know that there's a 30-day, will be sold at a loss. There's a 30-day window where I can't buy it again. Is, is the 30 days business days or calendar days? Calendar. Calendar days. The, the second question is, uh, since it's a fund... What can I buy in the meantime? How how close can I mirror the fund without violating the the the, the sale the sale in, in itself? Do you That's, mind? This guy's been doing his research. I, I know. Yeah. That. Do you mind if I ask what fund it is? Uh, the uh, equity income for, from Teraldi, and I'm thinking of going with the equity income too. But I would just think that could get some. No, you know what? Um, I, I'm pretty sure you have to be virtually. Uh, the equity income too, I think, is a is a different fund, and that's sh- I'm, I'm uh, you know oh gosh I'm 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 very I'm very comfortable that you could do the equity income too although I will look them up right now. I'll see if I can find them right now but you know so you, you can't do 
uh, one S and P 500 index for another S and P 500 index because they're sort of substantially they're they're essentially even, even identical. Even what's the difference if I went from Fidelity with one and Vanguard with the other? I mean, you could certainly do Vanguard equity income. I mean, that that wouldn't even be that, that would be different, huh? That wouldn't even be a question. But you, I'm sure you can do equity income too. I think they're. I mean, if you just look up the uh, the underlying holdings of those two funds, I'm going to guess that they're fairly different. I, I, <clears> you know, full disclosure, I haven't looked at the Vanguard equity. I'm sorry, the, the Fidelity equity income or equity income too in, in a lot of years, but generally... Well, how, how close would you have to come if, if the holdings, even though the individual holdings might be a different number, but yeah. if they were essentially 98% to 97 of the same stocks? Yeah, I don't... Well, A, I don't think that's going to be the case in those two funds, and B, I think I think you have to be just about identical in order for it to not work. Yeah, uh, yeah Bob, this is, this yeah. is Mike. I, I, let me throw my two cents worth in here. Uh, obviously, it would be safer if you went from Fidelity to Vanguard, okay, be, be, because you don't have to start to, to justify it. But, but first, first of all, sit back. You're probably the only time you're going to get questioned on this is in an audit. And I don't know what your audit profile is. So yeah. first, understand that, okay? And second of all, okay, I would talk with, do you have a person who does your taxes? Yes. Okay, I, I, would, I would run that by your tax person. And by the way, I would bring the, uh, some snapshots of both portfolios, okay, and ask the tax person what they thought. I mean, you, you don't know what, who, who, what some, that some auditor sitting in the IRS office who may actually look at this is going to ask or say or feel. Okay, right. so I, I, I think to be absolutely on the safe side, if you went to Vanguard, that's a different ball game. I don't think anybody would question that, but talk with your tax person. But okay. if you went to the Fidelity wait, Equity Income Fund, you could... It would be two, two tax seasons, so you probably would be fine in that case. Yeah. If you filed yeah. one in December, then you bought in 28 days or yeah. the next or, or you wait till January to purchase, per, even purchase it back, I would think you'd be all set. Yeah. But on the two fidelities, it would be two different tax years that have to combine. Yeah. On, 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 yeah. That's, 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 that's a good guess. I like the way you think. Okay. But if it was two fidelities with a similar name, you just might have to sit down. If you had your, you know, if you had the bullets in your gun, if you had all the research and you could, and had to show that person that they were different, you're probably fine. But, you know, it's, it's probably a lot yeah. safer to do the Vanguard and not, and not remove any yeah, doubt. Yeah, but then you you're, know? you're getting into a, a whole new deal if you're a Fidelity person. Yeah. By the way, yeah. would, you so. go, would you go back to the Fidelity after you did the second one, or would you stay? I'm sorry? Okay, you're selling the Fidelity to create a loss or because you're unhappy with it? Which, which no, no, no. Just it's a, it, it would be a loss at this time. Sure. And I figured okay. I could, that would offset some of the gains, but I wanted to get back into it since it's yeah, good. It's, it's okay, lower. So, yeah. And I went, what can I do in the month? Is, is so, the same philosophy you mentioned it, it uh, would work like for a bond fund if it's a long-term bond fund and then another one was intermediate bond fund? I mean, do you, is there any, any criteria other than let's look at, you know, who's getting the loans from these folks? Yeah. The, virtually any bond fund will work. Again, you, you, Bob, you're just, you, the, the IRS is concerned that you're buying an, an identical investment. And, you know, that's why, you, you know, you can't sell one stock and buy back the, that exact stock immediately because those are identical. And, and the same with, uh, you know, the index funds, right? The S&P, you know, you know, the, the iShares S&P 500 index versus the Vanguard, you know, those are 
substantially identical investments. Anything outside of that is is it's my understanding that that's okay. So so I mean I, I'm I'm about 99% sure that that flipping over to the Fidelity Equity Income too is perfectly is perfectly okay because those are I mean those are different right I think they have different money managers I'm 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 struggling here to to pull well, they up. Have different- Board of directors. To me, that was that's a big factor. Yeah, and 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 you know, just check the money management. You know, just check the manager and 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 check the holdings. If there are differences in them, I mean, you know, you can. It, it's very easy for you to make the case to, hey, this is not the same investment. So I, I would okay. be I would be totally fine with that. I would uh, I would do that. Uh, I think, and I okay, wouldn't worry so too much I about it. I appreciate your advice. Thank you. All right, you're welcome, Bob. Take care. Hey, have a good day. Bye bye. All right. Bob's been doing some reading. He knows kind of what he's talking about there, Justin. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll see. While while we talk, I'll see if I can. uh, I will see if I can figure out. Look into that fidelity equity income too. But yeah, I I mean, if he if he brought a Morningstar snapshot with him, and this is a different manager, and here's a percentage of holdings. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're absolutely right. But from a not even worry about it, if he went to the Vanguard, that wouldn't even be a a, a minute's sleep sort of a thing. Well, he would have to go. You know, he'd have. To go, I mean, he, he sounds like he's in a he's in a fidelity account, uh, yeah, and yeah, maybe, maybe not yeah. a brokerage. But also, Bob, if you're if you're still listening, you know, fidelity has, I'm sure, has you know even more uh, equity income funds, sort of you know, large cap value. Well, they probably have a balanced fund or something fund. like that that he could park into. Yeah, but Bob, if there's a cost to move to Vanguard uh, from Fidelity to Vanguard or back to Fidelity, yeah, staying in Fidelity and looking at a, ba- a balanced fund, you know, it's only going to be for 30 days. So of a thing of 31 days. So, so you know, he's probably safer to stay in Fidelity. Oh, he he wouldn't do a balanced fund. Come on, now that's, that would have some bonds in it. For, for 30, equity, well, uh, for 30 days? <laughs> a large cap value fund. You know, he, they could just do yeah. a value index. But anyway. There you go. Okay. But we digress. Don't, uh, don't step on my territory over there, huh? <laughs> okay. I'm backing off. <laughs> I'm backing up. I think okay. it's, I think actually, Dave, it looks like, you know what? I don't even know that Fidelity Equity Income 2 exists anymore. I believe it's now Fide- Fidelity equity dividend income oh, perfect a different name even better i think i think yeah. that's right now because i couldn't okay. i couldn't find it on, on our research and bob so if you're out there i believe it's called fidelity equity dividend income again that's this is based on a quick uh, a quick minute or two on my software here and also it does look like the performance is pretty substantially different if that's the case right i mean we're talking about a three a three percentage point difference in return over the past year which i think is is more than enough difference so I, I'd be A-OK, Bob, uh, on that one, again, if you're still listening. Sorry about that. All right. All right. Thanks for the call, Bob. And by the way, folks, 978-454-4980. If you're in the Merrimack Valley today, we'd love to hear from you about anything that's on your mind. Uh, okay, so uh, we were just finishing up what's more important, risk or return. <laughs> okay, my, my final comment on the risk before we get to the fun stuff, the return, okay, is, well, folks need to understand, and if you were with us a couple of shows ago, that there are four risks out there in the world to investors, okay, default, going out of business of your securities, that's a risk, volatility, the price of your security going up and down, that's exciting, okay, and a risk, inflation, 
and taxes. And those two, most people don't think about. Okay, but inflation robs you of your buying power and taxes rob you of your money. Okay, and so when you, when you want to worry about risk, and we're perfectly fine with everybody worrying about risk, you kind of have to know that there are four of them. Okay, and, and this is going to sound, uh, you know, very, very strange, but of those four risks, three of them are guaranteed, inflation, taxes, and volatility, and default is not. Okay, and, and so my, my point is, do not discount the effects of inflation and taxes when you're investing your money, and we spent some fairly serious time on that on our last show. Moving along, okay, so Justin, how many folks walk in our door saying they need to earn a specific amount, a rate of return? Probably none, right? No. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But you know, folks, when you're investing money, okay, the two things you got to worry about is, you know, is the risk comfortable for you, and what are you going to earn? Okay. And, and I would respectfully submit that they're equally important, and that what you have to earn to be okay in life is hopefully something you can achieve, okay, with your risk and return, okay, uh, you know. A mixture. You know, if you if your risk level is is your, if you're very very concerned about risk and you have a very conservative portfolio, uh, you know, and and uh, w- you know when people do this, they should have an idea of the level of volatility, and they should have an idea of what they can earn. You okay with that? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so in our practice, we have portfolios, and we we guess or suggest strongly to people, we think you'll have this much excitement, you know, ups and downs, and we hope you'll have this much return over the long run, not guaranteed. And so the, the point I want to make is that, folks, uh, what you need to do is you need to you know, marry the two of them together so that they work. If you are so risk-averse that your return is so low that you can't make it to retirement or live happily ever after, then you have a conundrum to deal with. Okay, so there's got to be some kind of a, a match. They both have to work for you, okay, and, and that's really really kind of pretty interesting. My point is that most people don't know what they need to earn or need to save to get to retirement. And so what you earn is a very important consideration and you need to kind of factor that in. Oh, I'm I'm very happy with my 3% return because I'm comfortable, but I don't know if you'd be very happy with your 3% return when you're 65 and retired because I'm not sure if that's what you need to do. Am I okay? We got just a minute or so here, but okay with that, Jess? Or yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I mean, it's it's we try to stay away from specific numbers. I mean, we're we're definitely giving ranges, uh, but you you know you don't hear a lot about what number folks want you know need to earn. Oh yeah, yeah. We were up against a break. All righty, we'll be right back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Michael McNamara here. We're uh, live on a long weekend, uh, and uh, we have, let's see, I just counted it up, a page and three quarters to go in, in, the last, uh, in the last 24 minutes. Think we can make it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we no. might get another half show out of this, Justin. We'll see how this Not goes. Not even close. So, hey, if, if you're, if you're uh, again, we're live <laughs> in the Merrimack Valley today. If you have any questions on this or anything else, give us a ring. Uh, telephone number is 978 454 
4980. Again, 978-454-4980. If you give us a call, we'll make it through even less of our outline. Uh, but yeah, we have. Uh, we're. I don't know if you if you want me to ask that next question. Um, I, let's see. No, no, I'm I'm not finished yet. I think. Okay. okay so. Right. Okay. No, no. Actually, uh, no. It is time for the next question. Yes. Thank you, John. The one thank that. You. What is a good investment return? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's your answer to that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> These are just. Let's see. Some clients would say twenty percent a year, right? Yeah. As much as I as much as I can get. Uh, with no risk. With no risk. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, obviously it's, you know, everything, it depends like, like all these questions. It depends on what your risk tolerance is and what your investment portfolio is, right? I mean, if you're, a good investment return is one that I think is, is probably in line with the long-term projected returns of your specific risk tolerance. And again, adjusted for whatever happens in the future, right? I mean, we may have a discussion that's, you know, and and so we'll, we'll have a, you know, say, oh, we're, we're, we're going to go with, uh, you know, we're have a younger client or a more aggressive client. And we'll say, you know what, Uh, we're going to put together this uh, investment strategy. We're going to be aggressive. Our pie, our pie slices are going to be all, all in the equity market. So we're not going to have anything, anything conservative in there. And uh, our guess is that we think you can maybe earn somewhere between seven and nine percent per year, right? But we don't, you know. So, so we're sort of starting out the relationship, saying that's a good return. But obviously, we disclose the fact that we really don't know what is going to be a good investment return. You know, for for all we know, a uh, a five percent return could be a good one for a stock portfolio over the next ten years, right? You know, we we don't know how it's all going to play out, and. And or maybe maybe a 15% isn't that great because everything else makes, you know, makes 20 for that, for that decade. So every, it's, it's dependent. It really depends, I guess. I don't know. That's a hard question to answer. We always say that. That's our answer. It always depends. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it is a hard question to answer. And, and I, I guess I'd start off by saying that you have to have realistic expectations, which you have to get from someplace. Yeah. Uh, and, and they shouldn't be too high or too low. Uh, and, and you already pointed this out. You, you do, do need a long-term uh, perspective for these expectations. So, right. So I, I, I've, I've done some research, Justin. Okay. I can see uh, that. And, and you are you were, are you talking into the phone? You're a little quieter than you were. I'm sorry. I've done some. There we go. Hear me okay now? Yeah, okay. Sorry back. about You're that. You're back. All right. Um, let's see here. So I, I've done some research, and uh, I go back to the go-go late '90s. Okay, you were in the business then, right? I okay. was not. I was. No. I was in college. That's, right. that's you're, close you're enough. Not that close old. enough. That's right. <laughs> yeah. See, Justin, you missed this. Okay, if, if you started your investment practice in 1995, you know, I was you, there. I was there in the summer, though. So maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe you're you are remembering. Yeah. I was in the office, but yeah, that's only right. for that's a quarter right. of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so folks, I'm going to give you some silly numbers, but they're absolutely correct because I found them on Google. No, I, they're, they're, seriously. So in ni- in 1995. <laughs> The Standard and Poor's 500 finished the year up 37.56%. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. In 1996, the Standard and Poor's 500 finished the year up 22.96%. By 1996, a good portion of folks who were invested, were adding to their stock portfolios because it was on a roll, and this is how it's going to work. 1997, up 33.35%. 1998, 
Ninth, this is like this is like the promised land. Okay, 1998 up 28.58 percent, and 1999 up 21.04 percent. That was a historic and probably never to be repeated run. The average return on the stock market, the S&P 500, for those five years, 28.69% per year. That's okay? a lot. And, and here's what's going on, Just During those five years, okay, folks I'm meeting for the first time, they successively had more and more of their money invested in stocks. Oh, yeah. Okay, what, what, why not? It's going to, you know, whatever. Okay, and, and so... And by the way, those are the old uh, technology stocks in the 401k days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) And and what, you had to be an idiot not to be in the stock market with all your money and be making 25 or 30% a year sort of a thing. And, 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 you know, my point is that people glom onto trends. And this was an unbelievable trend, by the way, four four or five years, I might add. Okay. Uh, and, And during that time, Okay, and this is this is just weird. Okay, so in addition to folks I've never met before, oh, and again, different folks, but every year it seems like folks had more and more of their money in the S&P 500 and less and less of their money in their other diversified portfolio pieces, if you know what I mean. Okay, uh, well, so during that time, and, and I can clearly remember, I had maybe a half a dozen clients, maybe even 10 or 12, okay, over those years, leave and go other places because they were unsatisfied they were unsatisfied with their 14 or 15 percent returns okay by the way if you had a a balanced kind of a portfolio during that time you averaged 14 or 15 percent return okay right. uh and the, the and most of the folks who left for greener pastures had balanced funds that they're comparing against the US stock market but that's another that's a whole other story but but the point is expectations when i asked somebody what do you think you're going to earn in your investments what do you think they said 20% yeah okay and by the way it wasn't one person just it was like everybody yeah. because that's that's the way it is well so we we get our expectations from where we are and what's happening and and if you set your expectations in that time frame you were uh, attacked, okay, uh, in 2000, because in 2000 and to the year 2000, minus 9.11, in the year 2001, minus 11.8, in the year 2002, minus 22.1. And by the way, that's not counting technology stocks, but, but anyway, uh, 43% in those three years, Okay, you temporary. Well, if you stayed invested, you were down forty-three percent in value, and all of a sudden, people didn't think that that twenty percent return was real anymore. And so, so the, the 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 thing that you have to worry about, folks, is that we have an idea of returns based on where we are, and that's almost never right <laughs> if you if you look out long enough. Okay, um, so so uh, what, what I did. Okay, uh, d- during uh, during that time, so I-, I did a couple other things. And folks, there's a uh, there's a wonderful website uh, that I refer to every once in a while. It's called the S and P 500 at your fingertips. Okay, uh, and it's part of a website called Political Calculations. We we don't do politics in our business, uh, but or, but but at least we try not to. If, if at least we try not <laughs> to. If you get to that website, S and P 500 at your fingertips. 
you can pick a date span and see how the U.S. stock market did. Okay, so so by the way, um, if you know from 19, and I get, I just have some numbers. Okay, so from 1994. Okay, so I just started before 95, right? So so I took this same period from 1994 to the end of 2002. That that includes both. Okay, both both times, right? The good and the bad. Yep. Okay, so if you held on. Okay, to your stocks. By the way, a whole lot of people when the 2000s came, they didn't hold on to their stocks; they sold them. But if you rode those five good years up and rode those three bad years down and didn't move, okay, uh, your return, if you were taking dividends, was like nine percent, and you were if you were reinvesting, you earned ten point six nine percent. Okay, so so. If you had the courage or the comfort or the knowledge to hang in, okay, well, that was a 10% return. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, then what I did, okay, uh, is I took a, a – and I, I messed up on the numbers a little bit here. But by the way – no, I did not, actually. Okay, so I went back for those, what, uh, eight years, okay, and, and if you hung on, folks – you, you did good. The other thing I did is I went back 20 years to 1999. Okay, so 1999 okay. Yeah. to 2019. Okay, well, if you owned the S&P 500 for those 20 years, okay, and reinvested your dividends, you're in 6%. Okay. Okay, so let's see. So in an eight-year period, you earned 1069. And in, in a 20-year period, you earned six. Which is it? You know, what, what do you use? And, and the answer is, it's a guess, folks. And, and you've got to make, you make one. And, and we do the same thing, right? Right. right. Yes? Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, we, yeah we, that's right. We make, you know, ranges. We, don't, we, we try to avoid sticking with a single number because then people will yeah. remember it. Yeah. Okay. But, and, and thanks to you, I used to have this to single number. But, you know, it, we think that if you have a reasonably diversified stock portfolio and you own it for a long time, you hopefully get somewhere between a seven and a nine. Well, you know, let's see. The, the worst I could find in my lifetime was six oh six, and uh, the you know, and the and over the, a twenty the, year period. Yeah, over over twenty years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They, they, okay. I'll, I could look more, I suppose. But the bottom line is, you know, in the same twenty years, if you look at eight of them, it's one. You know, and if you look at uh, what, what, yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah. But, but bottom line, folks, uh, is that you know. Whatever you expect for a return, okay, A, it should be reasonable, and B, hope you can get it, because that's how you measure whether your portfolio is successful or not. You know, if you, we'll get to that in a moment. If you pick a risk level and a return that goes along with it, the way that you evaluate the success of your portfolio is whether the risk is within its expectations and whether the return is in its expectations. You know, if, if we're making guesses, okay, and and you don't achieve them, that's good reason to leave or change strategies, okay, uh, because but that's how you would monitor it. But what, what folks kind of forget is that if they knew what their risk level, volatility level was, and if they knew what they were hoping for for a return, that's how you measure your success. Okay, we'll get into that. Well, maybe not, okay. There are lots of other ways people attempt to measure success, but 
most of them don't make sense from my point of view. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll stop there. Any questions about that? No, I think we can move on from that one. I, I you know it's it's the if you're in a diversified portfolio, chance you know if if you have one that's designed well, chances are you know chances are you're doing okay but yeah you you do want to continue to measure it because there could be something in there that's that's you know screwing you up for whatever reason and you you just want to be you know it's it's good to have a point of reference yeah. and uh and you know that's the best one that we can that we can give you is uh is just sort of a well you know I, i'm gonna i'm gonna move on from this we don't i don't think we need to spend much more time on well, it. well it, it's fuzzy okay but i, I understand okay so yep. then ask me the next question Okay, so you have chosen. This is, this is I'm reading this verbatim here. Okay, so you have chosen your investment strategy. Now what? Uh, uh, well, several things, but first, last, and always, you need to rebalance that portfolio, <laughs> folks. And if you don't know what that means, you better learn fast. Uh, Justin, you want to explain that? Sure. You know, we, we, we sort of skipped over how you choose your asset allocation pie, right? I mean, we, we talked about risk and return generically. Okay. I get, or, did, or did we skip over it? How, how we how we land well, on those pies? Well, what do you want to? Um, maybe. Well, we talked about risk and return. They had to consider them. But if you've got more to add, yeah. please do so. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. You know, maybe we didn't skip over it, but I don't. I don't think we said specifically enough that, you know, the process of of choosing your asset allocation is sort of based on you know is based on an, an assessment of your risk. So what you know what you would do is, you use a tool and your return need. Uh yes okay that's yeah. fine and your return need right so that's I mean we should talk about that a little bit as well um, okay but anyway so you the the sort of the the standard way that these pies are chosen is you you figure out what your risk tolerance is right and and essentially that's uh you know breaking up the universe of investors into into various types uh, based on their risk profiles right let's let's say in a, a folk, uh, someone who's uh, 25 years old, saving for retirement, and is comfortable with volatility. That's sort of your classic aggressive investor. Uh, and then, you know, on the other side of the coin, there is, you know, we'll just sort of stereotype here. There's, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, someone who's 85 years old and has uh, plenty of money and, and, and does not want to see any volatility whatsoever in their principal, right? And that's, that's like a, a classic, very conservative investor. Sure. And yep. then there's a whole range in between, and and the way that you you know you you sort of you try to measure your risk profile, you figure out where where you are from a uh, from a sort of a risk point of view, and also from a return point of view. If you're going to add that, if you're going to add that uh, piece in, and then you can build a portfolio by mixing aggressive and conservative assets, right? So you may be fifty fifty, or you know you may be seventy five twenty five. Um, but that's how, and then you, and then you take that answer, and then you find a portfolio, an asset allocation that works for you, because you know you have, there are aggressive portfolios, there are conservative portfolios, and there's everything in between. All right, so I, I think we maybe skipped over that a bit. Okay, that's that's fine. In that case, I, I would add to that that your return for most folks is equally as an important consideration. As your risk, right. that eighty-five-year-old gentleman, if he's got seven million dollars and needs uh, two thousand dollars a month for his portfolio, he can put it under his mattress. He doesn't need return. Yep. But by the way, that's the exception. Every most folks out there listening to us, okay, have to be concerned about earning enough money to get to retirement or a goal, and earning enough money to preserve your retirement lifestyle 
versus taxes, inflation, and living. Right. Okay. Uh, and, and so the, you, you you get the two together. Okay. You may start with risk, but you know. By the way, I would give for most folks listening, I would give equal weight to what it is that you have to earn on your money to get someplace. Because you could be very happy and very risk averse and be very comfortable all your life, and if you don't have enough money to retire because your risk comfort level uh, was good, how's how's your risk comfort level if you know you can't retire because you didn't save right. enough money? You what say, happens? Yes, you, you have yeah. to factor in, right? Especially when you, you know, if, especially when you're well, I guess for, for in every case you probably want to factor in a a planning aspect of this right in in order to know whether or not you need a high return or a low return you need to do some level of planning whether it's you know simplified or or complicated uh and so yeah you you need to say well hey if i'm if i'm 25 years old and i am risk averse and all i'm going to do is save in the bank you know you probably want to run a projection of your of your you know sort of wealth accumulation over a long period of time to see if it's it's enough because it's generally speaking going to be a bunch lower than you know, sort of what your what your average peer would do as far as their, you know, four hundred one k investment strategy, right? Yep, absolutely. So you know, risk and return they come together, folks. You may not need one or the other, but you need to look at both, and most people need both, from my point of view. So yep. okay, yep. all right with that? Okay with that. All right, so can we get back to the now you need now that you got your strategy, you got to rebalance it. That'd sure. be okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to explain it, but. Before we do, I want to do this and uh, the, the numbers you're looking at because I don't want to run out of time before we get there. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So, folks, um, and Justin, I think you've seen this, but there's a really cool investment website called Portfolio Visualizer. Okay. Okay. Uh, and you're allowed to back test portfolios in terms of what they earned and how they did over time with yep. lots of different asset classes. Okay. And I was fooling around on that website last night. Okay, and so here's what I did. Okay, so you remember those 20 years where the stock market earned six, basically from 2000 to 2019, the stock market earned a 6% return. Yep. Okay, if you're 100% stock, you're in six. Okay, so what I did is I just uh, basically took a $10,000 investment, okay, all by itself. And I put it to work January 1st of the year 2000, a really bad time because the world fell apart the next three years. Okay. Okay. I invested 60% of this in the U.S. stock market and 40% of this in the U.S. bond market and rebalanced, which we're going to define in a moment because I'm going to keep people on their toes, yearly. Okay. In that 20 years, I want you to remember that the stock market earned 6.06. Yep. Well... Okay, if you had 60% stocks, 40% bonds, your 10,000 is worth 35,940, okay, uh, and you were in 6.39% per year. Okay. Okay, and so you achieved a return virtually equal to the stock market with a boatload less risk by having that conservative portfolio and adding the secret sauce of rebalancing. Okay. Okay. You, okay. you okay with that so far? I'm following so far, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then just for yucks, I, I went back 25 years to 95. Remember when things were good? We had those five good years? Yeah. They, weren't, they weren't included in the last 20. Right. Okay. So if I did the same thing, 
okay, for 25 years, put $10,000 to work for 25 years. I forget what the, the number grew to, but the bottom line is on your 60-40 portfolio, you earned 8.76% per year. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, and had a heck of a return. Okay, so now, see, that's the, the entree to you explaining the secret sauce of rebalancing. <laughs> see? See how we did this? Okay. okay. <laughs> so go for it. Uh, Hurry up. you got about three minutes. All okay. right. Well, re- re- rebalancing <laughs> is, is fairly quick. All it is is putting your pie back together based on some predefined uh, program, right? So if you, have a, if you have a simple 60-40 portfolio, if you just let it go forever, right, on day one you have your your investment strategy, your, your pie is perfect. And on day two, it's probably, it's, it's no longer perfect, right? It might be 60.1% uh, in stocks and 59.9% in bonds. Uh, as time goes on and, and um, you know, assuming you have, you know, in, in any pie that you have and the more pie slices you have, uh, the further off it's going to get uh, relative to each other. So, they get further and further apart over time, and especially if you're mixing more aggressive assets with more conservative assets, right? If you, if you have an emerging markets fund in there with your short-term bond fund, then over you know, a 10, 20, 30-year period, the emerging markets position should more than likely be, you know, grow significantly more than your bond fund, and therefore, if it was never fixed, it would take up a larger and larger percentage of the overall portfolio. So, so you know, on you know, over time, your pie slices wander, and rebalancing is just putting them back together. All right, and and you can do it on a pre you know, you can do it monthly if you wanted to. That we would we would suggest that you probably not want to do that, but uh, you could do the monthly. You could do a quarterly. Annually is a fairly popular way to do it. You know, you could even do it every every five years if you wanted to, or you could set bands around it and say, hey, I'm gonna every time one of my one of my positions is more than 25 percent from its target, I'm gonna go in and fix it that way. All it is is putting your pie back together on the assumption that you chose your pie, your asset allocation for a reason, and therefore it, you, you ought to stick with it or at least close to it because, you know, you signed up for one uh, risk return profile and uh, you don't want to, you know, have your, you know, be investing over the long term in a different yeah. one. That's what you bought. If you bought a 60-40, you're in, okay? And, yep. and in order to stay with that, you got to kind of put it back together. And the, the, But the, the cool part about this is, so putting it back together didn't involve looking into the future. Right. Okay. It didn't involve making any guesses. Okay. It just involved, I want to stay with what I got. We got a little fire field I want to put back together again. Well, the good news is that by putting it back together again, you're kind of forced to sell pieces of something that went up and trim it back. And you're kind of forced to buy pieces of something that didn't do as well or went down uh, because that's what you had to do to put it back together again. Right. Okay. Well, let's see. Sell high, buy low. Would you try to project doing that into the future, or would you rather just do it because take advantage of whatever the markets gave you? When you're rebalancing, you don't have to guess about the future. We take what the individual markets or the individual pieces in that portfolio give us, okay, and rebalancing is truly selling high after it went up and buying low after it went down, and that's what the book says, but almost nobody practices it that way unless – you have an asset allocation and you rebalance. And, folks, that's what makes the whole asset allocation strategy work. Putting it back together is literally selling high and buying low after the fact, okay, uh, if you think about it, and there's no guessing involved. And it's, 
it's a wonderful relief for us financial advisors to be able to say that, right, Jess? We- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, full disclosure. It, you know, it, it's not always it's not always perfect, right? And, and we would say probably it's probably more accurate to say uh, selling higher and buying lower, right? High and yeah, low, sure. and you know, okay. there, there's sort of a you know, it, 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 you're certainly not when you're rebalancing, you're not timing it correct every time, right? If you if you rebalance that S and P 500 position at the end of 1995 and at the end of 1996 and 1997, you, you, know, you, you didn't exactly get that right. You shouldn't have turned it. Oh, man, look right. at that. I lost track of time. All but right. You didn't, but you didn't get it wrong, and you made some money, right? Thanks for being with us. Have a, have a great long weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. 